Blog Talk Radio. Identity of 
This is Charles Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady. Father, and your white great grandfather saw 
killed my great-grandfather and your white-grandfather raped my grandmother and your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them, and we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We are at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood rushes through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave.
them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. It's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, He's become one of us. We greet you with the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he stated, the time is always right to do what is right. That's right. The time is always right to do what is right. And we're going to do what is right as we speak to the powerful, powerless, on the 21st day of January 2024, on Africa on the Move. Our theme today is part three, why they are not discussing this. Why they are not discussing this. And we're going to discuss the power of the vote, or some would say, does voting matter? That's our central theme for tonight. We invite you to call in at 323-67908 and join us. And like always, what we're going to do right now is to get started with our party by introducing to our political panelists and analysts. Our agenda for today includes what's going on in your world and the community, and then we'll speak to the theme. Yes. This is Africa on the move. So at this point in time, we're going to bring in our political analysts and panelists, and we want them to share with us and introduce to us who they are. Right now, we have Brother Anthony, who is the organizer for the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party, and we'd like to welcome you today to Africa on the move. Welcome, Brother Anthony. 
uh, thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Uh, my, uh, and uh, revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Following Brother Anthony, we're going to bring in Brother Haki, and we're going to welcome him as well to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Haki. Uh, Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamafi Mishoki. Uh, Brother Africa, you know, my thing is all about institution building, you know, but certainly I think in respect to institution building, I think there are certain realities, certain uncomfortable realities we have to confront. I think one of those we have to confront is the whole conception in terms of capitalism and, in, and implicit criminality, which is part of capitalism. But more importantly, I think some type of introspection has to be offered in terms of to the extent that the people internalize these criminal uh, value systems, which makes it very difficult for people to discern or discriminate between what is right and what is wrong. So I think it's a very, very interesting uh, paradigm. I think it's something that I want to talk a little bit about briefly. Uh, tonight. But anyway, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Now, U.S. criminality has its roots in the corporate structure of the Constitution. Contrary to indoctrinated beliefs, the U.S. Constitution is not a social contract, but the blueprint of established enterprise. The U.S. government, as an enterprise, exhibits the same economic policies of any corporation. Implicit in U.S. corporation is what Steve Martin would characterize as crime think. It is this way of thinking, according to Martin, which, quote, has ushered in, a, in U.S. society and, indeed, the Western world into an era of humanity must engage in ruthless exploitation and corresponding death to remain legitimate, end quote. The sad reality is the criminal tendency of government has largely been internalized by a majority of the population that finds it increasingly difficult to discern right from wrong. That only distinguishing right from wrong problematic, but most hold the perception criminal activities justify if the end goal is attainment of wealth and power. In this regard, many of us see the elites occupying government agencies and big business as more human than individuals whose wealth, who, or at least whose access to wealth, is negated. In other words, poor people are invisible and despised because they are poor. In this context, government proximity to wealth makes government institutions godlike, beyond reproach. And this is no mere exaggeration. In view of numerous illegal wars since the start of the global war on terror in 2001, the result of over 4 million innocent people dying has resulted in little indignation from the general public in the U.S. Certainly, some of the indifference may result from xenophobia or extreme nationalism, but to exclude much of the embrace of U.S. criminality and foreign policy stems from the perception that U.S. government aims and objectives are infallible, like the Pope, fails to appreciate the level which we value criminality as a means to obtain wealth. For example, rather than repudiate the wholesale theft of Serbian oil by the U.S. military, Many pretend this type of criminality is inconsequential as long as it enriches the wealthy and provides proceeds for the U.S. government. Ironically, the gains of this criminal activity does in no shape or form benefits the poor. In fact, it is, it is the same criminal class that determines the cost of living and gasoline prices through, up through option contracts, buying and selling the stocks that determines gas prices and consumer prices, not supply and demand. 
certainly one of the certainly one of the smoothest criminal strategies ever devised by Wall Street gangsters. Now, the criminal elements are deeply entrenched in capitalism, and the U.S. corporation is entrusted to protect interests of the criminal enterprises by maintaining and reinforcing laws and policy that empower such enterprises. One such enterprise, private ent- private equity firms, con- criminality is not just blatant but pervasive. Known for acquiring or buying businesses in distress, even sometimes healthy businesses, the plan is to acquire the businesses, sell its assets by shipping by stripping away what is profitable, leaving nothing behind. Now, this infamy of private equity firms cannot be overstated. In the case of Medical Property Trust, which owns over 444 hospitals in four continents, has been very effective in selling parts of hospitals like ER rooms, uh, operating rooms, and building, etc. This stripping of hospitals is very profitable for the criminal class, but results in extremely high costs for medical care and a corresponding decline in the quality of medical care provided. Despite excessive profits, the firm is able to conceal its earnings, ensuring lower payouts to stock investors while greatly reducing their tax liability, a feat even the mafia would envy. Now, this process of acquiring businesses uh, not only fuels inflation as businesses raises their prices to pay high dividends to prevent potential takeovers from private equity, this causes prices to rise for consumers, which is a flagrant attack on supply and demand. Let's be clear on one point. Prices are not established by the level of raw materials and t- taken in and the costs associated with producing a finished product. Instead, companies arbitrarily increase prices so as to pass price increases to investors. In other words, the poor subsidizes the wealth with higher returns on investments. The criminality does not stop there. Ritualized criminal criminality ensures excessive fees are doled out to investors with, with private equity firms. This, in part, results in private equity firms' managers averaging $4 trillion annually, in addition to classifying ex-employees uh, as consultants who justify tax avoidance. This criminality is so obvious and logic goes unregulated. In fact, Dodd Frank was authorized to stem the flow of criminality by these organizations, <coughs> affair, excuse me, by placing equity firms under the control of the Security and Change Commission, the SEC. Was the, now the question is because was the SEC successful in reducing the criminality of, of private equity? Yes, uh, there was some success. But uh, unfortunately, consequently, Republican members in response have implemented a plan to remove or greatly weaken SEC oversight of private equities. Bill H-1105, Small Business Capital Access and Job Preservation Act, seeks to reestablish an autonomous private equity uh, where co- corruption was intolerable and harm to the economy obvious. Interestingly, under Bill H.R. 1105, there is a provision called Job Preservation Act. Ironically, private equity criminal activities contributes to job loss, not preserve jobs by destroying businesses that could retool to employ people. Now, it should be noted now, this type of dishonesty and or deception are typically characterized as a criminal mindset. When politicians engage in deceptive language that implies that a bill introduced in Congress is good for the citizenry when, in fact, it's not, uh, the use of the word criminal intent is justified in describing such a politician's motives. David Badash opined, quote, We entered the era of right-wing agitators, activists in and out of church, influencers and provocateurs, including the government, setting the agenda for a national conversation, end quote. And increasingly, people like Frank Lutz and his predecessor, Lee Atwater, established a precedent where criminality is justifiable and welcome, the norm for U.S. society. 
currently billionaires, billionaires on the right are engaged in Project 2025. Now, according to the advocacy news group, a Project 25 is an attempt by right-wing forces to de- destabilize the U.S. by replacing career bureaucrats with right-wing radicals as a tool to undermine any pretense of democracy in the U.S. The report mentions a thinking of initiatives that increases presidential power, creating an imperial presidency while diminishing checks and balances, holding political power accountable. Now, crucial to usher in Project 2025 is the re-election of Donald Trump. Now, Trump himself stated, if elected, he would exercise control over the Federal Communications Committee, uh, which regulates television and Internet companies, and the Federal Trade Commission, which oversees antitrust laws and consumer protection, and incumbent thoughts in the U.S. In plain speak, Trump is advocating the systematic repression of the masses, including poor people, people of color, and liberals, and identification of those who do not belong in the U.S. This is to be achieved by a conservative Congress who is in lockstep with far-right agenda. Of course, carrying out this far-right agenda includes a private business sector carrying out discriminatory policies or practices in exchange for the opportunity to conduct business free of ethical or moral constraints. Now, implicit in Project 2025 is the role of violence and carnage. Ironically, Many elites often employ similar, if not the exact adjectives to describe the poor engaged in criminal activity. Why is it that the government or the wealthy who engage in higher, more penetrating crime never are characterized as criminal? This tendency to practice hypocrisy by the powerful suggests, like the quintessential sociopath, the ability to discern right from wrong is compromised, along with virulent complacency of living with hypocrisy. Project 2025 seems custom fit to legitimize any criminal tendency. In fact, it appears the philosophy that Project 2025 seems to promote is any pretense of human consciousness should be perceived as weakness, thus legitimizing a state of mind where criminality is viewed as a rational impulse. This potential is aggravated by a capitalist system that in itself is oppositional to the needs of humanity, which is demonstrated uh, on a daily basis for poor people in society. For example, recently, Republican governors in 15 states, 13 of the poorest states in the, in the Union, opted out of food assistance uh, program for the summer. Over 8 million children who will be relegated to hunger because school lunch for many children provides the only basis for obtaining nutritional sustenance. When Ambassador Governor Jim Pilling says he refused to accept federal funds to feed children because he does not believe in welfare, what the hell does that mean? In an era of economic decline, stagnant wages, and unemployment, the children who are hungry should not be held hostage to a philosophy. It is clear only irrational, not justifying food to, to children in need is reprehensible. But again, for the criminal-minded, anything can be justified, including homelessness, mass death, in and outside U.S. territory. And with that, Brother Africa, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Aki. Next, we'll go to Brother Moses. Uh, he's an organizer for the Washington, D.C. Metro in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. We welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism ever since I was introduced to Marxism, the father of scientific socialism, during a high school government class back in 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, 
and that for government, Mao Zedong is his messenger. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle is to continues to be to unite the many, to defeat the few. We have a lot of confusion and misinformation going around in society, especially concerning voting and, and how change takes place. But we we must not be confused. We must study, 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 and understand the dialectical and historical materialism and apply it to the concrete situation we are faced here in the heart of the beast. And I think, you know, we are up to that task. And I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. From Brother Moses, we welcome Sister Eleanor, who is also an organizer for the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Welcome, Sister, to ask on the move. Good evening, uh, Brother Africa, to my fellow panelists, and to our listening audience here in the United States and abroad. My name is Eleanor Johnson. I'm delighted to be a part of this forum. It's a wonderful time to talk about what's going on in our community and around the world. And thank you uh, so much, Brother Africa, and to the fellow panelists for allowing my participation this evening. Thank you, Brother Sissel. That's your host, Brother Africa. We're going to take a voluntary culture break, and when we come back, we will open up our first segment on what's going on in your world and the community, and we invite you to join us at Dallin 323-679-0841. Hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. We'll be right back, and don't you go nowhere.
I was pregnant in jail. I thought I was going to have a baby and the baby would never be with me, but I was acquitted a month and three days before Tupac was born. I was real happy because I had a son. When I was young, me and my mama had beat, 17 years old, kicked out on the street. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd be a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spending from school, scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Said tears with my baby sister Over the years we was poor and another little kid And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong we blamed mama I reminisce on the stress I caused It was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell And who's thinking elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary One day Running from the police That's right Mama catch me put a whoop into my backside and even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. 
typing in the radio show. You'd like to hear your response, your critical um, input to this show, and how we better serve you. This is why we are here. Well, let's continue to that travel down the road of liberation. This is the first segment of our program, which entails what's going on in your world and the community. And you can always call in and participate just by dialing that number, 323-678-0941. And for those who like to show their love and support, don't hold back. You can give by making a cash app to dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b, or even zale, African Awareness Associates 2 at gmail.com. We thank you for your any contribution that you make. And you know the reality is, if you're talking about liberation and freedom, if you don't support your own movement, there will be no movement. So support this movement as we go through and struggle for the attainment of Pan-Africanism, which we define as the total liberation and unification of Africa and the scientific socialism. Africans, let's get organized. So let's go to our panel right now, what's going on in your world and the community, and there's so much going on. We're going to start out with Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, talk to me. What's going on in your world and the community? Okay, um, I'll start off with some sad news. Uh, another one of our uh, warriors made her transition to the ancestors recently, Sister Viola Plummer, uh, 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 whose uh, funeral is this Saturday. January 27th in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, for those who don't know, she was a, a, a founder and head of the December 12th movement. Uh, and uh, she uh, worked uh, many years uh, for the uh, liberation of African people worldwide. And uh, let's see, and um, uh, let's see if you're in the New York uh, area, uh, let's see, um, you could, uh, uh, let's see, you could find out more details about uh, her funeral arrangements. Uh, by uh, visiting uh, PA Roots uh, website, and also uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, most countries in the South are siding uh, are, are siding with the Palestinians in their struggle against Zionism and settler colonialism. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Next, we're going to Brother Haki. What's going on in your world in the community, Brother Haki? Yeah, let me just pick it back on what Brother uh, Anthony was talking about in terms of death of some, 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 uh, some of our warriors. 
Uh, in addition to Sister Viola Plummer, there's also Brother Seku Odinga. He passed. And about a year ago, Brother Ahmed Obafemi, he passed. So these are very powerful individuals in the movement, and certainly they will be missed. And so one of the things that make me very, very sad, and when, when you lose these kind of warriors, you lose a lot. And so, therefore, we owe a great deal of gratitude and love and respect to these brothers and sisters who dedicate their lives to the interests of humanity, uh, in particular in terms of the struggle for African empowerment and, and, and human injustice you know, in the society. So clearly, Avala Plummer, Seiko Odinga, and Brother Ahmed Obafemi will be truly missed. And then also, my, my, my response to your question, Brother Africa, is one of the things is that, you know, one of the things that if we're going to talk about in terms of which way forward, at the very minimum, it's important that we at least be able to understand uh, the, um, some of the uh, dynamics as related to society. If we don't have a fundamental grasp in terms of what's going on in society, then to try to make some analysis in terms of what's the correct way forward seems to me idiotic. So it seems to me that if you're going to go that route, then by all means, offer some legitimate expression in terms of understanding in terms of how society is organized, and then we have some grounds in terms of reaching some type of unity. Otherwise, uh, simply, uh, uh, you know, uh, enumerating or, excuse me, uh, well, not even enumerating, but otherwise just exposing uh, stuff because it sounds right. We were beyond that point. At least I hope we're beyond this point. But in any event, having said that, Brother Africa, the thing I want to respond to was that recently there was a, um, a situation in Ohio. Um, There's a pastor who, who faces potential criminal charges as a result of um, of uh, uh, helping helping the homeless. Anyway, I read this article, so I thought I'd share this briefly with the audience in terms of uh, when you talk about this whole problem in terms of separation of church and state, it becomes clear that even though a lot of us believe that, in fact, church and state separation exists, the bottom line is when you look at the history of the United States and you look in terms of uh, concrete examples, then it's very, very clear that a lot of the speculation as to church-state separation is really a myth. But in any event, check this out. Now, a pastor in Bryan, Ohio, Chris Avell, faces criminal charges for allowing the homeless who shelters turn away for violating county ordinances which designates the church as being part of the central business zone, which prohibits people from eating, washing clothes, or sleeping. Pastor Avell was informed by the zoning commission the church was in violation of zoning ordinances, not because allowing a homeless shelter was an issue, but that the church did not have the bed to provide the homeless. Now, according to the chief of police, the church was given adequate time to fix the problem. Now, the church in question, Dad's place is a small church, and the means to purchase beds may have been difficult. Pastor Avell's primary motivation was to provide shelter against the brutal conditions of Ohio weather, the difference between life and death. Now, what is instructive is the refusal or resistance of county officials to orchestrate a drive to acquire beds to assist the church in its mission to humanely provide shelter for people against the elements of freezing temperatures in Ohio. Instead, the county initiated a witch hunt to undermine the church existence. Fire, Fire Chief O'Brien, Ohio, was dispatched on the auspices of conducting an inspection. This inspection was in general, of a general nature, not a specific inspection or investigation based on complaints. The fire chief found violations ranging from the absurd to the incredulous. Among the findings were improper installation of laundry, a gas grill improperly placed, and no hood over stove, presumably or gas stove. Now, this case raises two very interesting paradoxes. One, if the commission's objection to housing the homeless in the church was lack of availability of beds, purchase of beds from Salvation Army and or Goodwill stores could have been obtained relatively cheaply by the county 
by providing write-off or tax rebates, not to mention establishing a drive to solicit charity or use bids. Second paradox is the issue of church-state separation and its relevance. If church exists to serve the will of the Creator, uh, then fulfilling the mission create uh, then, then fulfilling the mission creating a Christ-like existence on earth is the purview of the church. Apparently, the, the commission disagrees. By attempting to preempt the power of the church, the implication was human law is greater than the Creator's law. If that indeed be the implication, they'll soon struggle over who will prevail over the fate of the homeless. Ohioans, Ohioans will be very interesting. My perception is human law will loom large, so much for separation between church and state when state interests are paramount. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, this question in terms of church and state, uh, the reality is that there is no real separation between church and state. To the extent that churches can, can uh, serve the interests of the state, they are allowed to do whatever it is that they, they, they're going to do. To the extent that it clashes with, with, with state interests, then the state interests always prevail. With that, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll make our transition to Brother Moses. What's going on in your world and the community? Seems like the more things change, the more they remain the same. I've been harping on on this this little flyer for 15 years now, and um, I'm saying that I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Basically, which side are you on? That's the real issue. You have to choose a side. You have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Jesus said in Luke 16:16. 16, 16, that the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. Since John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is preached. Jesus also prayed that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yet many preachers today, unlike Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., are telling people to accept conditions as they are, ignore the world, and just keep coming to church and paying your tithes because Jesus will solve all the world's injustices when he returns. However, the Palestinian people need your help. Your tax dollars are paying to maintain the racist apartheid government of Israel. The U.S. government props up Israel with billions of dollars each year. Zionism is racism. The belief in government of Jews, by Jews, and for only Jews is Zionism. Well, over 2,000 years ago, there was a Jewish kingdom. But when Jesus was born, the Jews were no longer a nation state. Some wanted to return to the good old days. But Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world. He was a revolutionary and an internationalist because he was for all people, not just Jews. In 1948, Palestine was occupied by a well-armed group of Jews who killed and maimed to establish Israel, and that government continues to kill and displace the Palestinian people from their homeland. These Jews are not Christian and don't claim to be Christian. Yet it's primarily the Christian community that supports them. Either you are part of the solution or you are part of the problem. Get involved. The people of Palestine and the freedom-loving people around the world will not rest until Palestine is free. And so I'm saying we have to get ideologically clear on uh, on who we are and where we are and what time it is. Uh, and I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, welcome. You have going to move. What's going on in your world and the community? Thank you uh, so much, Brother Africa. Well, as uh, 
Brother Moses said, uh, you know, the struggle for uh, uh, Palestine goes on, but this genocide is is, uh, is is what we're witnessing now. And on January 13th in the District of Columbia in Washington, D.C., the United States of America, 400,000 people marched in solidarity with Palestine on the same day in London more than half a million uh, people marched and uh, throughout the world as Brother Anthony had mentioned also there were marches in solidarity with the Palestinian people so that is one thing that we saw happen and uh, we saw that uh, uh, union activists um, actually began to realize that they had to not only stand with the people of Israel, but they need to look at work sites like General Dy- Dynamics, where they are stepping up production for these 155 mm shells for the Ukraine and where Israel is begging for more more ammunition to continue as genocide of the Palestinians. So we see uh, the union movement uh, decided it was finally necessary to lend its collective voice to the ever-growing chorus of uh, disgust of this genocide, Uh, although it never actually referred to to Israel. It is an Israeli genocide that is happening. But the bottom line is the workers are moving in that direction. Also, I read an article um, about the Pentagon. Uh, Brookings Institute states that 87% of the contracts that were given out uh, between 2017 and 2022 cash contracts were given out, mentioned artificial intelligence. And the great number of those contracts were uh Pentagon contracts. So we see how important it is um, for uh, people to uh, have uh, political power and economic power. But that's uh, enough said for the moment. Uh, Again, thank you for having me. And there is a war stirring between Caracas and Georgetown over a land uh, that is minerally rich with oil. It's an oil region, and we'll see what happens with that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sister Law. We just like to make a quasi-statement in reference to this radio program that when we have our political panelists and analysts participate in an independent Participants, their thoughts and ideas are exclusively theirs and does not necessarily reflect the station of African Move 
nor enter its village or its bed. At this point in time, what we're going to do, we're going to take a road trip culture break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the theme, why they are not discussing this. And this aspect we're speaking to is the question of the power to vote. Does the vote really matter? We have this upcoming discussion, and we'd like for you to come and join us at 323-679-0841. This is Brother Africa, and you are listening to Africa on the Move. But at first, a story that no one's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Israel 
to replace the lost workers on the farm because of this confrontation they're having with the Palestinian people. Brother Anthony, give me your take on that issue, on that thought. Uh, let's see. It's um, it's really um, a case of uh, of the the shameless exploitation of African youth. Um, the uh, the reason why uh, uh, Israel made this deal with the presidents of Malawi and Kenya is because um uh let's see about um uh a uh, 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 about uh, a thousand Thai workers uh left rather than um uh you know because of the uh of the work conditions and they refused to be uh to ally with with Israel in its uh, uh 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 a genocide against the Palestinian people and uh uh let's see because um uh let's see they have to pay fair wages uh, to get Israelis to do this uh, agricultural work, uh, they uh, they're outsourcing uh, to foreign nationals to do this work, and uh, Kenya and Malawi are um, are, are 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 for money. Are, partici- uh, are are sending uh, their youth to work to uh, to do agricultural work uh, for the Israelis, and uh, they are and uh, for money because um, there aren't uh, uh, there aren't employment many employment opportunities for Kenya and Malawi's youth in their respective countries. And uh this um this uh this is uh exploitation at at, at a very shameful level. And uh Israeli is taking advantage of the uh, uh uh, uh, poor economic conditions in Kenya and Mali, and uh, a- exploiting African youth in the process. Thank you, Brother Evans. Haki, your critique of African government selling and leasing out their youth and farm workers to go to another country, i.e., in this case, Israel, to work on their farm. For the interest of state of Israel? Well, well, Brother Africa, you, you only can scratch your head. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of confounded in terms of why would African states, uh, one, put the youth of harm's way by sending them to Israel? Secondly, and perhaps, uh, perhaps uh, a, a real concern, 
is that you're talking about a Zionist regime which has which is totally indifferent and totally uh, uh, hostile toward the interests of, 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 of people of color around the world. And so why would you send your youth there to prop up such a regime uh, to make it possible for them to bite you at a later date? It, it's, it's, it's confounding to me, Brother Africa. I simply don't don't understand it. So when we talk about Kenya, Malawi, Namibia, sending up, you're sending you know youth you know to work in Israel, you know farms. You know the one of the irony is when you think about it in terms of the treatment of the uh, of the original Jews, the Ethiopian Jews, and the treatment they received in Israel uh, because of the color of their skin. And you think about that. Do these do these African states really think the treatment of these these youth be working these farms will be any any different than the treatment that afforded the uh, the Ethiopian Jews who are currently in Israel or the the the, the or, or the uh, uh, Israelites you know originally you know coming out of the U.S. who reside in Demona, uh, uh Israel? Do they really think that this is going to be you know uh, uh, qualitatively different in terms of the treatment of of those African African individuals? So, brother, Africa, so I'm hard pressed. You know, one of the things I, I think you know that we can't dismiss the whole mo- the monetary motive. Uh, perhaps you know he's getting uh, the president of Kenya of these states, not just Kenya but Malawi and Namibia, well. Receiving, receiving a huge amount of money in terms of contracts to provide this labor, you know, to Israel. To, to what extent uh, that's having an impact on the decision to send youth, you know, to Israel, I don't know. But certainly it can't be discounted. And, and, and one of the things, you know, when you, when you talk about in terms of the, the, the hardship African people face, you know, uh, you know, you know in, in, on the continent in terms of finding work. So when you think about the hardships, one of the things I, that comes to mind is that, you know, the hardships are inevitable as long as you continue to purport or at least participate in a, in a, in a, global, a global imperialist system which is designed to, to impoverish, to not only marginalize, but to impoverish your state. So to the extent that you continue to participate, you know, in, in such an arrangement, then you can anticipate a situation where you won't be able to put your people to work. And so, but if you think that it's like taking these contracts and getting, you know, and, and getting, you know, $600 million or so in terms of providing labor for Israel is to your economic benefit, I need to think again. So, so the thing that I'm, I'm really concerned about, uh, if we talk about the amount of 600 for, say, $600, uh, $600 million, if we talk about that amount, uh, you know, I'm not sure in terms of what what, what overriding uh, impact it's going to have on the, on the, on the economy of, of, uh, of Kenya, Malawi, or Namibia. I'm not sure it's going to have that that great of an impact. But what I am concerned about the level in terms of corruption that exists in these societies. In fact, uh, 600 million is enough, and certainly enough to to pay off those individuals, you know, at the top of the hierarchy in terms of those who are making decisions. Uh, so clearly, brother Africa, I'm 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 confounded. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you got to be kidding me. 21st century, have you learned nothing yet? What is it going to take before it dawns on you? That you've got to stop playing ball with these forces that are, that are designed uh, to oppose your interests. So for me, Brother Africa, I'm just confounded, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Africa. Brother Moses, do you have anything to say on this issue? Certainly, certainly, certainly. Um, first of all, let's let's frame this this situation. Uh, back in 2009, I wrote a little piece. Uh, as for the economic crisis. We must never forget that it is a political economy. Real people engaging in real activities to determine how goods and services are divided between them. Politics determines economics, always has and always will. Therefore, who is in control of the state makes a big difference. 
And so, you know, we have to understand that we have to serve the people and keep politics in command because a justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And my rights begin where your rights end and, and et cetera. And so we have to look out for each other and, uh, and recognize the political economy. And so when we, we, we are in a boycott, the best sanction period with, with Israel, the state of Israel, boycott the best sanction. And so the people who are conscious, you know, are governing themselves accordingly. And these sellouts, uh, because we live in a class society and where there's, there's, there's a classes and, um, some people are just interested in money and don't have the morality or the ethics or whatever it takes to have the right stuff to stand up against tyranny and oppression and fascism in all its forms, and we need to do that. And so that's why these children are, are being used, but they should be educated as to the situation in the world and, and know how to participate and get involved in the struggles of the people of the world so that they'll be on the correct side of the issue. And I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. But Brother Moses, you do you do know sometimes, many times, when it comes to people in the press, their economics dictates their politics. But let's go to Sister Eleanor and see if she has anything to say about this issue. Sister Eleanor, do you have anything to say about this issue or sending uh, children to up much, in this case Israel to work? You know, getting these children to come to do this agricultural work is, um, uh, as, as Brother Haki said, happened. We learned anything because we know that uh, though uh, Israel leads the region in terms of its agricultural productivity and and water, and it's, you know. Uh, making water uh, available in, in arid regions, it is quick to pull out. So it's using Africa right now and these African countries as a resource for dumping its goods as well as uh, labor. Now we saw what happened in Senegal when Senegal voted in favor of the Palestinians, the water project that Israel was conducting in Senegal abruptly ended. It uh, let the people suffer without clean water rather than to have a political difference and go on with business. It didn't do it. So, again, we see the importance of uh, developing a strong uh, uh, collective uh, in that uh, the African countries begin to look at as the African Union as they um, meet in Addis Ababa that they begin to look at what contracts are available to what countries and um, what resources countries like Israel and other human rights violators are looking for and or any country that they begin to have uh, um, a collective voice in assessing what goods and services they will make available 
to whom. And these policies should be drawn up and each country actually utilize these policies or standards similar to the way the UN is supposed to do. Uh, the African Union should also do that so that uh, you won't see uh, these labor exports and these abuses happening. These folks could never become Israeli citizens. They're just migrant workers. Palestinians aren't citizens in Palestine, aren't Israeli citizens. So why uh, uh, any African country allow their workers to migrate somewhere where there's civil rights? They don't have civil rights. They don't have the rights. Uh, of of the citizens of that country, and um, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's 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 shocking. I also wanted to say about the hospital things that Brother Haiki had mentioned. You know, the company is now calling because I think Southern Southern Health owns a hundred. 159 hospitals, and these big mega capitalists are really raising the cost of health care everywhere and um, shortening the life expectancy of folks who just cannot afford to pay for these services that uh, they of uh, medical treatments that they need so greatly. And uh, this is an outrage, and they affect the political climate uh, because of their great number of wealth and assets. Thank you, Sudan-Law. Right now, let's make our transition to our theme tonight, which is part three, the next segment of why they are not discussing this. This issue that we're talking about is the issue of voting. Does voting matter? Well, I would say, what is the power to vote? Recently, we ran across a, a real critical discussion on black power media with what Professor Jerry Ball and one of his guests was Dr. Um, Carl from Howard University they had that discussion, and we would like to at least share some of our thoughts on that discussion as we critique it today. So, panelists, I would start off with two questions that you like on two separate ends of the same line. Does voting matter, and what is the power of the vote? Brother Anthony, your response. Uh, voting... Uh, voting can uh, be uh, can be uh, used as a tool. However, uh, Africans are not organized to use it effectively, and uh, and uh, that's uh, a, 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 a limitation of it. 
uh, voting is a tool, just as um, you know, in any other, and it, and is a means of um, you know uh, improving the quality of life of the masses of workers inside the U.S. However, uh, we're, uh, we are very disorganized. As a matter of fact, we're probably more disorganized than in the other uh, 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 sector that uses the vote. Uh, to gain uh, uh, political power. And that is because voting uh, is, uh, is, uh, is one step. As a matter of fact, it's the bare minimum can be done to exercise uh, political power. Actually, political power comes from uh, putting... Uh, pressure and holding uh, elected officials accountable for their actions. That takes organization and political education, both of which are, are so are sorely lacking in the African community. And uh, this is why, and this is why uh you know the vote is not effective for Africans because we're not organized well enough to use it as a tool. Thank you, Brother Anthony. We'll go to Brother Haki. Brother Haki. Does voting matter? And what is the power of the vote? Brother Haki. <laughs> Okay, the voting matter. Well, I, I, I concur with Brother Anthony. I, I think to the extent that it's a tool, at least the potential in terms of being uh, shaped to do something positive for us is a possibility. The problem is one of institutional power. I think one of the problems is that, you know, you know, um, you know when you vote, uh, essentially what you're doing is relegating your power to some, some person under the guise that that person that you vote for is going to represent your interests. Of course, we understand the power, institution power. One of the things that we understand, in order for that person in position of power uh, to uh, to be effective, uh, to some extent, he has to play. He, has, he or she has to play ball with the with the powers that be. And more importantly, I think one of the things is that when, when we talk about institutional power, uh, one of the one of the uh, values uh, that uh, a lot of politicians hold dear. Is, is one of graft. In other words, to the extent that they can they can uh, ingratiate themselves to, into wealth, they want to do that. In order to get money, you know, from the system as, as a result of using your power, you know, as as a representative, is the, is that is coming upon you playing ball with the powers that be. In that in that context, you don't challenge the system. Uh, you go along with the system because the more you go along with the system, then the more the greater the monetary returns the more possibility in terms of more money you can make. And so in that, so in that regard, I think the corrupting power, you know, of, of, of these institutions is key. So while you may be voting for people in terms of representing your interests, the bottom line is that if those people who voted to represent your interests are, are motivated by making money, then of course they're going to sell you out. That's a given. That's a fact. 
Also, I think with this question in terms of you know voting matters, I think what you know we, you know, we can't in, you know in, in terms of the institutional questions, the question in terms of opportunism. You know, one of the things that we talk about classes and we talk about the the, the petty bourgeoisie in the African community, these people are not committed to the aspirations of the African people. They're committed to self, and that's very very clear. And so, therefore, until the, pop, the population, you know, in the community becomes the realization that you want bona fide, uh, you want quality leadership, and you're going to hold them to that standard, until the mass of the people come to that consciousness, you can, we continue to select uh, these petty bourgeois elements, you know, people who say things that sound good or tell you want, what you want to hear in order to achieve that power. And once they achieve that power, of course, your interests simply disappear. And so clearly, you know, so that's the onus is on the community in terms of clarifying exactly what it is that we expect from our leadership. But that's 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 totally part and separate from uh, the, 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 the the actual motivation of these people in positions of power. These people in positions of power, uh, let's be clear, they are, they are, they are, they are, <laughs> their focus is not the same as the focus of the mass of the people who put them into power. Now, as far as the power of the vote, Brother Africa, you know, one thing, you know, uh, voting, voting, you know, voting is good. I mean, as Brother Anthony alluded to, voting is good as a tool. Uh, you know, um, you know, if in fact, you know, if we had the kind of organization community where we can pressure, let's say, the Democratic Party in terms of dealing with interests that are vital to the African community, then then the power of vote would be a very positive thing. But the problem is that again, when we talk about the institutional power that exists, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times. These people who are positions of power are corrupted by that very system. I give you this example in terms of Judge Lucretia Clemens in Philadelphia. This sister had the opportunity to actually uh, give Mumia Abu Jamal another trial. Here's the kicker: everybody in the sun knows the man was framed. Everybody knows it. Even they know it. They got the documents. She sat on those documents, refusing to allow those documents to see the light of day. Why? Because she realized that in order for her to enjoy longevity in, in, in terms of being in positions of power in that court, she cannot expose the system for what it is. So those people, those 146,000 people who voted for her under the guise that she's going to represent their interests were, were clearly deceived. Not to say that a lot of them, in fact, uh, would support Mumia Abu-Jamal, you know, uh, but to the extent that they, to the extent that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, at least uh, the, the rights of Abu Jamal should be respected, uh, something weren't. And so, therefore, in that regard, uh, Judge Lucretia Clemens, you know, uh, 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 the beneficiary of the vote, uh, is, there's nothing in terms of the empowerment of the people who put in that position. And, and one final thing, and I conclude with this, I think also one of the things that here recently, you know, Brother, uh, Brother African, when we talk about the level of corruption or, or the power of the vote, or well, one of the things that uh, Sister Nina Turner, uh, I believe out of Ohio, but the sister is very eloquent, uh, sister very very committed, very principled. And uh, in fact, she was too principled. And as a result of being too principled, actually representing the interests of the masses of people in her district, as a result of that, she was dumped by the Democratic National Committee. Uh, she was defunded. And they gave funding to some woman who was more more malleable, more, more pliable, much more agreeing to participate with the system at the expense of the masses of people, you know, in the community who depends on these people to uh, protect to protect their interests. Uh, so clearly, Brother Africa, so when we talk about their power to vote, you know, uh, to a large extent, when, they, when the Democratic National Committee got rid of Nina Turner, it nullified their power to vote. In other words, your vote has no power. We, the Democratic National Committee, we're going to decide, in fact, who your representative is. So when you talk about the question of power, 
the power of, of the vote was nullified. So those are very systematic, very institutional questions uh, we have to deal with when we talk about whether or not voting is, is, is a legitimate expression in terms of empowerment for African people. And I conclude. Thank you, Brother Haki. Brother Moses, no position. Does voting vote matters, and what is the power to vote? Brother Moses. Thank you, thank Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, I think you know this. I watched, I listened to two hours of this this debate, uh, and um, the, there was the brother from Howard University, Dr. Carr. Uh, I sided with him against the other brother, and uh, and I'm and I think you, Haki, and Anthony, side with the other brother. I think, and um, me and Eleanor side with Dr. Carr, and so that's just the way it is, as I see it, and so. You know, it's like Booker T. Washington versus W.E.B. Du Bois. I side with W.E.B. Du Bois. And so, you know, there's there's contradictions. And before we unite, in order that we may unite, we must have clear lines of demarcation. I'm for voting. I've been voting all my life. I'm going to continue to vote. Malcolm said it was going to be the battle of the bullet. That puts voting on on the on its par with the battle of the bullet. If you know, if you if you understand what is being said. And so I can't convince people to, to do things that they don't want to do because their heart just isn't in it. But I, but the real revolutionaries will step up, and uh, and I'm counting on that. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, your thoughts? Well, definitely um, voting is an important tool in our arsenal for liberation. Um, as uh, both Dr. Carr and Dr. Ball said, it's not the end all. It is really not the end all. And as Brother Haki said, it benefits the petty bourgeoisie. It does not really um, impact the masses. I had um, noticed from <clears throat> studying voting district polls that in a particular community it uh, had very wealthy people and it had very poor people. Neither of the two voted. The wealthy don't vote because their their concern is policy. It's legislative. It's what laws are made that affect them, that will affect their bottom line, their pocket. And they go straight to the to the hill or to the source, and the poor uh, often don't vote because, or do not vote because they don't think it matters. So the bottom line, it is an important tool uh, in the arsenal for liberation, and uh, we we can't believe that more suffering is going to make people uh, rise up. Uh, that's not the way it, it goes. Organizing and education, as uh, we always say, as Anthony and Haki and Moses on yourself always say, education is what it's about, organizing and education. And in terms of, of voting, in terms of local politics, it has a great impact on your day-to-day -day life. It'll determine 
your tax base, so many things. Um, and so you have to look at the voting as a, a tool in terms of the national election. Neither party is serving the interests of African-American people, of African people. Uh, but in terms of local parties, it, uh, it's important to make sure that you weigh in because if you don't weigh in in the time of gentrification and this great uh, corporate, as Brother Haki said, this corporate imperialism that we have now and so many uh, uh, so many investors, this is the place for everyone to become a corporate person from around the world in real estate and in, in medicine and everything. That's why voting is important in your particular municipality so that you can maintain control over resources and hold those politicians you elect to the fire their feet to the fire. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Kindly, I have a question. Starting out with Brother Moses. Brother Moses, and this is to all the families. If a sister is created and it says it's a capitalist system, which means she must have capital to be properly in a position to participate and have your interest and voice heard or dealt with. If you don't have no capital in the capitalist system, how much can you get from the power to vote? Brother Moses. First of all, the capitalist system is just like the socialist system in that it's made up of people. And there's no such a thing as a system that is not controlled by people and determined by people. And so capitalism is a political economy. And so, you know, we have to take control of our destiny and uh, and uh, hold responsible the people who we vote for and uh, even run for office ourselves if necessary, to, if we think we can contribute to the struggle that way. Um I, you know, I have no problems with voting, uh, um, and I, you know, I, I can see people want to belittle it. That's all I hear, and all the all the rest of it is just rhetoric. And you know, finally, you know, it's truisms, all all the truisms. I sure we agree with you, we agree with you, but when the real hits the boat, we still got to vote. So lay it on for it. Thank you, brother Moses. Is that enough? And capitalists in order to have power with representation in capital. So what is this question is this about this voting thing with power? Well, the vote um, is true. And, you know, when you organize and, and, you know, when you look at organizing where you stand and you're voting where you stand, where you live, that's where uh, us as Africans can have power. We can um, um, run people for office, put people in office that uh, affect our goals. And it, it, it uh, really 
really makes a difference. And that's where uh, political power comes in from a local level. When you elect local politicians, you push on them. You have a legislative agenda. You have an economic agenda that you expect them to uphold. Because even though, because we're not organized, it may appear that we do not uh, contribute to the economy. But we are, as Africans, are contributors to the economy. We do have an impact on the community. And an example is uh, gentrification. We will sell a property uh, this month for uh, $500,000, and next month the same property is worth a million dollars. So we need to, that's where our, our political power through the vote comes in. Those kind of transactions can be outlawed and found to be illegal. But if we're not voting, if we're not paying attention, those things will not happen. And and I'm not talking about... Thank you, Sultan Moore. Let's go to the Brother Anthony? If you don't have capital in the capitalist system, you don't have no power. So this question for voting, where the power come from? It uh it comes uh if you don't have any capital, that means uh it comes from uh organizing among ourselves. We have to organize in such a way that we have a political party that represents our interests, not the interests of the ruling class, which the the Republican and Democratic duopoly do represent. They represent the same sector of people. That's why we don't have any power. Uh, uh, because we are not we are not organized uh, to uh, uh, to to use voting as a leverage. Uh, we uh, we have to form our own pol- independent political party, independent of the uh, Republican Democratic duopoly. But we have to be organized to do that. It takes organization and political education to bring that out, to bring that process about. And it takes more than voting. Voting is uh, is the bare minimum that that can be done. It also takes... Um, uh, participation in hearings and uh, letter writing or emailing in some cases. And uh, it takes organization to hold people accountable to whom you, to whom you give your vote to. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Hockey, you talk to me. If you live in the capitalist system, just by definition, some of the folks who got wealth, folks who have capital, how do you get some power from a vote? 
<laughs> well, Brother Africa, that 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 is a that is a bit of a paradox, isn't it? Uh, one of the things, you know, let's 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 be very very clear. When we talk about capitalism, we can't talk about capitalism without talking about in terms of how society is regimented or how it's organized. If in fact capitalism is organized in terms of ensuring the interests of of, of, of the powerful is is paramount, is more important than any other interest, then of course the political processes will reflect that reality. And so therefore, you know, uh, politicians are not going to uh, touch anything that doesn't appease the powerful. And matter of fact, in terms of getting things done, to the extent that you got capital behind that, then there's more likelihood that whatever it is that you want is going to be pushed through Congress. And so clearly, you know, that's that's uh, that's that's to the detriment of, of, of working people who, who participate in the political process, but nonetheless have no real power in terms of affecting, you know, the kind of processes that are involved in terms of, you know, making decisions when it comes to politics in America's old capitalist society. Uh, one of the things, you know, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, you know, capital being prioritized, uh, capital is in and everything. I mean, it means everything. Let's be very, very clear on that point. As I alluded to earlier, uh, one of the things, and when you talk about it in terms of when we talk about uh, in, in, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of the pursuit of capital, uh, keep in mind, you know, and I alluded to this over and over again. When you talk about the, the pursuit of, of, of money, uh, you can't dismiss the fact that uh, people's motivations often line with with their possibility in terms of assuming wealth or, or obtaining wealth for themselves. So in that regard, politicians are for sale. Unless we were very clear on that point, and it doesn't matter when you talk about the state or the federal level, it's all the same. I mean the the the, the, the processes in terms of the the, 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 the the use of money, the people who have access to that money, use that money in terms of, you know, corrupting or controlling the political process. In that regard, they of course, they control the politicians. In that regard, in terms of the rank and file of the masses of people, in terms of their interests, those, those interests get neglected. They're not important because, number one, you don't have the kind of capital to provide these politicians to, to sway their decision to to, to, to take a stand on your behalf, nor do you have the opportunity in terms of, you know, providing, you know, uh, you know, a potentially uh, some some favorable some favorable employment in the future, you know, when you're no longer in office. For that reason, uh, uh, politicians are not inclined, you know, to embrace anything that the people in positions of power don't approve of. And let's be very clear on that point. Also, Sister Eleanor talked about the question of gentrification in terms of the power the power of voting. Now, let's be very, very clear. When we talk about gentrification, essentially what we're talking about is the relationship between the realtors and the banks working together in terms of setting prices. In other words, they make sure that they restrict housing to, to, to ensure the prices rise. When those prices rise, they move in, renovate those properties, further increase, increasing the prices of those properties to ensure that poor people, particularly people of color or African people, cannot live in those, 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 those units. And as a consequence, uh, that community becomes gentrified, which means that African people or people of color or poor people generally don't have the opportunity in terms of move, moving back into the city because they simply can't afford it. That's totally irrespective of the political process. As a matter of fact, the political process has no say-so in terms of gentrification. Why? Because gentrification is a legitimate capitalist expression. This is capitalism at its best. This is what they do. It's about maximizing profit. It's not about right and wrong. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about making money. And so how do you make money? You gentrify the area, move poor people out, and move rich people in. It's a very simple equation. So it has nothing to do with political process. Politicians don't deal with that. They can't. There's no basis for them to deal with that. The Constitution, U.S. Constitution says that kind of activity is legal. If it is legal, then what can politicians do to address it? Ain't a damn thing they can do about addressing that. 
This is why gentrification is happening throughout this country. And a damn thing they can do about that. Because realtors and banks don't give a damn because for them, their bottom line is, 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 is growing leaps and bounds. And that's all they care about. And let's, let's be clear about it. The political process cannot impact that process. And let's be, clear, let's be clear on this when we talk about voting. And finally, Brother Alvin, I conclude with this. You know, when we talk about you know, the welfare investment in terms of politicians, uh, what, what, one of the things that's, that's be very, very clear on, when we talk about a small group of people disproportionately you know, spending to impact the political process, what we're saying that not only is capital a very powerful commodity, but also it's essential in terms of getting things done in society. Well, if, if you've got a case of, 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 of a wealthy guy, a wealthy woman, a wealthy person, and you've got a, 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 wealth, a poor person, all right, and when you talk about in terms of whose who idea in terms of the idea of society will be expressed, there's no question about it. The person with the wealth whose idea of society is going to be expressed in terms of political opinion, in terms of policy and, and, and laws that are enacted. Let's be very clear on that point. And so, therefore, when we talk about voting, you know, you know, we can't dismiss the structural, the structural element in terms of, in terms, in terms of voting. This stuff is structural. It's not happenstance. It's structural. It's all by design. These people have been doing this for over 400 years. They ain't just started doing this. This is, this is structural. And because it's structural, they understand the enormous part they play in terms of forming wealth. Part of the reason in terms of nine, the masses of people access to wealth is because the less they have access to wealth, the less power they have. The less power they have, the less they can impact the political process. Let's be clear on that point. Let us stop BSing and pretending like somehow that voting is a panacea, Brother, Brother Moses. Voting is not a panacea. It's not a panacea. And by the way, I'm not, I, I, my position is that the points that both, both the brothers were making were legit. That was my point. I wasn't signed one way or the other, so let's be clear on that point. So if you can characterize what I say, make sure you say get it correctly. All right, now, you know, so, 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 the, so the whole point, Brother Africa, you know, we have, to take in, we have to take into account the structural reality in terms of, you know, the political process, in particular when it comes to voting. To the extent that we're going to be in a position to, 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 to impact the political process, it's going to determine on not only organization, but our willingness to, uh, our willingness, as, as Brother Malcolm X would say, determine, you know, how do we achieve those, those interests through the ballot or through the bullet. And so I think in that regard, we have to think long and hard in terms of who we're truly committed in terms of empowerment. Then we got to think long and hard. Are we willing to make those sacrifices to make this, to make our access to, 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 to power possible? If we're not serious about in terms of trying to make, uh, increasing our access to power, if we're not serious about that, then one thing is clear. Then the kind of subjugation, the kind of uh, uh, disempowerment, the kind of uh, hell that we catch, you know, as a result of the political process, it's not going to it's not going to resolve itself. It's going to escalate and it's going to continue. And let's be clear on that point, and I conclude. Thank you, Brother Aki. Panelists, what is a vote? Just tell me, what is a vote? If a person chooses to set out like the masses of the people, they choose not to set out and participate in this capitalist system when it comes to this concept people call voting. Is that not a vote, Brother Moses? If, what did you say? If the what? If the masses of the people choose not to vote, they make a statement they will not vote and participate in this process. Oh, I see. Is that not a vote? Yeah, that's a choice. That's a, that's a decision. Oh, that's okay. a decision people have. 
People have to make a decision about what they're going to do. I'm into self-determination. I have a proactive program. Um, I'm not. I'm not a reactionary. I'm not sitting around talking about what the white man is doing and and how I can't do because the white man is doing and and um, all this crap. I mean, I I have a proactive program of I can do what I want to do if I if I organize and um, and get the job done. And so, you know, like I said, capitalism is not is not is not some economic system that's that's just fixed and there. It's political economy, it's people, it's people, real people deciding how they're gonna exchange and do their service and their good. It's a political economy. And so the people united will never be defeated. Capitalism money money, you get too much power to money. Y'all y'all talking about capital like like it's some kind of entity that's is overpowering people and they can't do anything about it. People united will never be defeated. Barack Obama represents the people, the people's will at that moment in time, whether you want to recognize it or not. And so, you know, yeah, all I all I hear is a bunch of rhetoric and truisms. Yeah, I can't argue. Ultimately, what you're saying is true. But when the wheel hits the ground, we still got to get in here and fight and struggle and and participate and argue and 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 make things happen. And that and we're trying to avoid the struggle. That's all I hear. Trying to avoid the struggle later. Brother Moses, I don't think Barack Obama represents you at all. He represents the elite and the powerful. Has no relationship to you and your community. That's a fact. Let's go to the next one. Sit down, all. If people choose to set out and not to vote, is that not a vote? No position sit down, all. Well, it, it, it's a vote. It's a reality that in the United States, we are a non-voting society. We leave it to Why government, the two-party system, to dominate us. When you compare the number of U.S. citizens that vote compared to other nations, we 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 aren't voters. We do not vote from Africa. People are not voting because they don't believe it matters. But it does matter. And one thing Brother Haki said and, and I think both of the brother both both Dr. Carr and Dr. Ball were both on the same side. But the one thing that um, uh, the brother from Bowie State said was talking about, you know, having a legislative format. And he talked about, uh, uh, and that was really interesting. And what I want to say to about gentrification, for example, um, there was a, uh, during the uh, box, uh, Barama, Barack Obama presidency, there were all this, uh, the banks failed. Well, instead of funding the people, Obama funded the banks, and people were going into foreclosure all over this country. And during that same period, scammers, these big corporate scammers had come up with ways to steal people's homes by offering them loans but with with so much uh, written into the contract 
that they would become the owner of their home uh, if they defaulted or were late once or twice. And we're talking about people taking homes that were worth a half a million dollars for seven and eight thousand dollars. Well, that happened in many municipalities because there wasn't any legislative action taken to stop it. Once it began to, we realized it was happening in the District of Columbia. It uh, legislation was passed to squash uh, that behavior. But the reality is, is like Brother Anthony said, uh, it took a lot of hearings, it took a lot of letter writing, and it took a lot. And to show you how political the world is. Only one place was named for Dr. Martin Luther King before he died. And that's when Congress had oversight over the District of Columbia. And that place was the Martin Luther King Library in the District of Columbia. Now, that was a political action, though it may seem like a minor social action, but it was a political action where uh, there was a letter-writing campaign to the, the the politicians, to the the district committee, and the commissioners that operated the district at that time, and so uh, the library. Uh, well, by the time the library went up, we had an appointed mayor that later became an elected mayor here in the District of Columbia, where I live, Washington D.C. So. Politics, you know, legislation and and getting good legislation uh, can make a difference in your community. And bank, uh, the, as Brother Haki said, the banks and the realtors are scheming together. They have the strongest lobby in any city. In D.C. is called AOBA. And they are in city council every day and up on the hill. That's what they do. And that's what, when we organize as a community, our lobbyists will be downtown, up on Capitol Hill, pushing our agenda every day. When you walk into the halls of Congress, they all have a book outside of their door where any person is allowed to enter and someone needs to speak to you. But you need to be organized and have a platform when you're going in to a lobby for things, whether it be home rule or uh, the right for women to vote. You know, and, and we can't give up on, on these tools that we have. We have to utilize them. We may, just because we don't know how to utilize them, doesn't mean that we can't learn and move forward. And uh, I like the idea that the, 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 on the documentary that where they talked about setting up some kind of uh, legislative policy maybe with uh, Nigeria where uh, it had some kind of affiliation with us as African people and it was able to 
uh, impact commerce on a national level. And, uh, you know, there it, it was really interesting how they were talking about, uh, you know, not only the vote, but making sure that we had some legislative impact, that we developed a legislative policy. Thank you, my sister. As African Brother people. Anthony, talk to me. Yes. Yes, the people yes. should not to vote. Is that, is that not a vote? It is a vote. Uh, now, so what, uh, are about? what are we talking about when we talk people don't vote? I don't understand that. Uh, people don't vote. Uh, one is uh, it's a it's a choice uh, that uh, that or uh, whether people choose to vote Democrat, Republican, Independent, or not to vote. That is an option. Uh, now, uh, now, uh, let's see. Now, uh, the the charter or constitution, depending on what level of government you're talking about, gives voting gives an option whether to vote or not. And um, uh, one of the one of the points that was made during this uh, program was that uh, political power is local, which I uh, which I agree with uh, to some uh, to certain extent. Uh, um, we can only uh, we can only uh, get power at a local level. Not nationally, uh, uh, because we're not organized enough to do so, and it would entail uh, going into coalition with other uh, with other groups. Uh, however, locally, where we are a majority. Uh, there is uh there is a power for uh for uh, about uh, about limited because this is a capitalist society and capital rules and uh so uh so uh we have to get organized enough to form our own political organization for one that's independent of um of the democratic republican duopoly but uh it takes organization to do that and uh and it takes more than voting voting is one aspect of it but uh, uh the other aspects are uh are letter writing emailing uh, participation in meetings, etc. But uh, it takes organization to bring that about, and uh, because uh, 
the working masses do not have the time uh, to uh, to to get that uh, that uh, to have that level of involvement. That's why it takes organization to bring that about. Uh, but um, but the thing is, though, we it has to be independent of the uh, 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 of the ruling ruling parties, which represent the ruling classes only, not the masses of the people. And by the way, uh, Barack Obama represented uh, the uh, the Republican Democratic duopoly. He represented the ruling class. He did not represent the masses of of African people. Thank you, Brother Anson. Brother Hakeem, uh, one of the highest expression of people can express themselves is to not use their vote, vote not to vote. Is that not a vote, Brother Hakeem? What's your perspective? No, 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 Brother Africa. It, it is, it is a vote. It's a protest vote, and in fact, people, in fact, people are disenchanted with the current state of political system, and they got and for, for right and for the right reasons too. People are fundamentally aware that you know the system is corrupt. They know that. They know that for years and years, for decades after decades, they've been voting these people in positions of power, and every time these people get positions of power, they sell their interests out, and so people are just simply fed up with that. And that's across the board. That's that's. African people, white people, Asian people, Latin people, doesn't matter. Across the board, working people understand that fundamentally that the system is fixed in the interest of, of the powerful. As a matter of fact, according to Pew latest report, uh, one of the most hated institutions uh, in the society, the top three, is, is the Congress. And, and rightfully so. I mean, it is very, very corrupt. Uh, so one of the things, you know, uh, I think, and also, Brother Africa, I think when we talk about clarity, I think this is key. All of us, you know, it, it, it's good that we have these discussions around clarity. Because there is a lot of confusion and there's a, a, a lack of appreciation of what people are, being, what people are saying, and people are, are concluding things which people haven't said. But you have to have clarity in terms of movement. One of the problems when we talk about people, about people really believe that their vested interest lies in politicians, and they continue to vote for these politicians, but yet these politicians keep betraying them. Then it seems to me that we have, have to have another option in terms of empowering society. Brother Anthony alludes to the fact that third party, third party be perfect. Of course, in this, when we talk about the public, Democratic Republican duopoly, we understand that the powers that be are not going to allow a third party to 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 to, uh, to come into power. We understand that, but to the extent that strategically is important, I think is extremely important because if we can at least, as a block, work together in terms of at least articulating what our interests are, then we can then do the kind of things we do in the community in terms of truly empower ourselves. And that is key. It's the, the empowerment of our people are not going to come from politics. So let's not to repudiate, you know, polit- uh, voting per se, because the bottom line is that I always say, if you want to vote, go vote. You know, but if you come to the realization that the voting process is corrupt, then fine. Then the question becomes, okay, it's corrupt now. What are we going to do? But we have to have that clarity. The problem is that we have the clarity. We have people saying that uh, voting is a panacea. And for anyone in the 21st century to talk about voting as a panacea, Obviously, they either they easily, easily they're conditioned to the point in which there's no hope of them re- realizing that the system is corrupt, or they fail to understand, you know, that or they or they reject the premise 
that personally it takes real organization outside the political process in terms of bringing about real change in society. So when we talk about revolutionary fervor, nobody can be more, more revolutionary in terms of their fervor than what we say when, when, when we talk about the fact that politics or, or voting is in fact is, is corrupt and that in order for true empowerment to take place, it has to take place outside the confines of the political process. That is very revolutionary. Anyone can say, hey, vote, and it's all good. We, we've been saying that for the, last, for, the last, for, the last, for the last 100 years we've been saying, yeah, voting is all good. It's going to resolve our problems. Well, when you look concretely in terms of the conditions that our people face, the conditions don't get better, they get worse. Despite the voting, then what does that tell you? That tell you voting is not a panacea. So it seems to me we shouldn't even have the discussion in the 21st century that people don't, at this point should understand that fundamentally. It shouldn't even be a discussion about that. When you say vote, people should shake their head like, oh, please, man, I, you know, I, 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 I don't want to talk about I don't want to hear that. That's what people should be saying because they should understand at this point in history that the voting process is corrupt. It does serve the interests of the powerful. That's clear. We want housing. We want, we want, we want, uh, available, uh, we want available housing, uh, 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 available housing at decent prices. But we want uh, quality schools. Uh, we want jobs. We want all those things. But you know what? This Congress, these people that we vote for, consistently vote against jobs, quality schools, uh, and, and, and affordable housing. So how is that? that so how is it that despite the mass of people keep insisting that you do these things, the only thing we get is more tax breaks for the wealthy, uh, lower interest for 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 the, for, the, for, the, for the ruling class. How is that? None of that stuff serves the interests of poor people. But yet, the people in positions of power, the people that we select to office, what do they do? They kowtow to the interests of the powerful. The people are not stupid. They understand that. This is why they don't vote. It has nothing to do with apathy. People don't vote because they're apathetic. They because they're ap- they, they don't vote because they know the process is rigged. They know it's corrupt. Let's 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 be real. This is the 21st century. I mean, and this question of Barack Obama. Let me tell you something. Barack Obama did some good things. It was a mixed bag. He at least created tax cuts for the poor. That was a good thing. A little extra money never hurts anybody, particularly poor people who are struggling in society. But when Brother Anthony said that Barack Obama represented the ruling class, let's be very clear. That's precisely who he represented. When, when, when Barack Obama built out Wall Street, you know, during the 2008 debacle, when those rich people ripped off the housing market to get super wealthy, when he in, injected trillions upon trillions of dollars into the system, who do you think benefited from that, from that process? It wasn't poor people. It was the wealthy people. The same people who created the, who created the problem in terms of the housing debacle are the same people who benefited, courtesy of Barack Obama. Why did Barack Obama, why did he fund them? Why did he spend trillions upon trillions of dollars to do that? Because he works in the context of the system. He understands his longevity, his, 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 his opportunity in terms of remaining in power. Certainly his, his opportunity in terms of making money to the future lies with propping up a system which benefits the few at the expense of the many. Why the hell can we understand that? What is so difficult about this? I mean, seriously, what is so difficult to understand about this? All right. Now, when we talk about in terms of in terms of Barack Obama infusion of trillions upon trillions of dollars into into in, 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 you know into the financial system, when we talk about that, we can't dismiss the fact as a result of that that the, 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 the stock market boom. The stock market boom because what you did essentially was put money in the hands of rich people who could then have more investments, acquire more investments, buy more investments, more land, more houses. Uh, uh, own more 
car dealerships, uh, control uh, and control the investment in terms of colleges. All of those things to the detriment of poor people. Barack Obama damn well understood by, by infusing trillions of dollars into the damn financial system, he knew damn well who the beneficiaries were, were, were going to be. He knew who they were going to be. He knew it was going to be poor people. And so when we talk about things like, so we talk about things like um, uh, gentrification, well, part and parcel, the, 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 the receipt that comes from the possibility in terms of fomenting how, uh, 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 gentrification. One minute, brother. Go okay. back. Yeah, go one back. minute. Huh? Yeah, it goes back to yeah, 2000. It goes back to 2008. All right. And finally, let me just say this. Let's be very, very clear. When we talk about voting, we cannot dismiss the fact when we talk about electoral college uh, and, and African people making up 13 to 40% of the U.S. population. Let's understand one thing. When you compare 13, 14% to 82, 83%, 84% of the population, clearly, in terms of your, your, your ideas being expressed, uh, 82% are much more likely to have their views expressed as opposed to the 14%. Let's be very clear on that point. And with that, Brother Africa, I conclude. Thank you, Brother Haki. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. We discussed this thing tonight, why they are not discussing this, and we're talking about the issue of voting. Does it really matter? Does vote have? Does your vote have a uh, uh, does the power you vote, and it's getting hot up in here. We're gonna to have to take out the state a break, a local culture break, and when we come back. We're gonna get hotter, but we can critique this whole concept of voting and give our people something to think about. We've been doing this stuff for hundreds of years now, so let's continue to struggle. The Frederick Douglass is correct. That's right. He said, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. So we're going to struggle tonight so we can make up some progress. This is Brother Africa on Africa on the Move. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine, people there have lost their land, some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine. Palestine, needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs, our love. needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live. So no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom. Take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine 
needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs. That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yes. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, Let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. Not just Muslims that that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy, Mossadegh, Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that mm-hmm. is music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure.
Sasha and Malia are huge fans, but uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? We're discussing our theme, part three. Why they are not discussing this. We're talking about the issue dealing with the power to vote, it does vote battle. It gets hot in here. And we're going to raise the temperature up just a little bit more. Because we know, as Brother Turkey Sutton stated, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. So we can struggle with the power, struggle among the powerless and the powerful. And we know the time is already right to do the right, to do what is right. So that's the thing in this discussion. Panelists, analysts, I'm just curious in terms of, um, as in general, you know, people talk about voting and what have you. I'll ask each one of y'all, y'all perspective on what do you expect? if you go and vote for the upcoming candidate, such as so-called current, current president and the former so-called president of this country, Donald Trump. What do you expect from your vote? And what would you think you would get? What would you think you would get from the president, the president of the United States, by vote for him? Brother Moses? First of all, let me say, back in 2009, I wrote, um, the new grows within the old. Quantitative change leads to qualitative change. Barack Obama represents a quantitative change with progressive features, particularly as regards the struggle against racism. And whether you like it or not, the very existential existence of black president in the United States of America is progressive, whether you like it or not. And so, and so, you know, 
I'm faced with reality. I, all this rhetoric and truisms and truism, and then try to put words in my mouth. I never said uh, uh, voting was a panacea. I mean, and so anyway, um, you know, I'm into real change and real struggle and real revolution. And um, and all I hear is a bunch of sideline rhetoric and and truisms and uh, and uh, and you know when it when the tie hits the road, we gotta we gotta have behavior, not not just rhetoric. And so I leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, brother Moses. But the facts are the facts, my brother, brother Moses. If we go back and look at the research that they have done on impact of the African economy when he was in pregnancy, it got worse. So you got to explain the dynamic. That's all. We speak the truth to power. We speak the facts. Since I know what you expect when you vote, what you expect to get from at least this current president or the future one, maybe Donald Trump? Uh, well, one, um, Um, for one, when 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 this upcoming vote, what do I expect? Uh, right now, it's so too far out to say what I. Beg your pardon. From either one of the candidates, I don't care who you vote for. What you expect to get from them? You think the real computer thing for you? I don't what expect your vote. I expect one to help combat fascism. It's true imperialism, you know, we live in an imperialist society, but right now we need to combat fascism. I don't think there's very little difference between either party, but there's a, the federal, the the, uh, Republican Party is, is backing a candidate who's talking about jailing citizens, stopping public protests, and referring to people as vermins or or animals um, polluting American society, and he's going to clean up American society. Well, we haven't heard that kind of talk since Hitler, and many of us had never heard it. We're only being uh, learning about it because Donald Trump is now quoting Hitler. So just to fight a candidate of that type is what I'm doing right now. But uh, uh, when it comes to local elections, and that's also on the ballot and local candidates, I expect, um, you know, there's a macro and micro economy, and I I expect my vote to have an impact on my local economy. And it it is a struggle. And apathy, you know, the the US we're very fortunate like New Zealand has maybe uh has numerous parties, but they have an incredible voting turnout. Um so does Italy, other countries. The United States was stuck with a broken two party system and we better wake up because there are a lot of new Americans coming here and they're taking advantage of the vote and they have an agenda. They're organized and organizing. 
So we need to do the same. Learn from our, 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 our fellow Americans. Get organized. Get that agenda. And make your voice count. Thank you, legislatively so and economically. And Thank I you, expect. So uh, Are you finished, sister? I was just going to say that I I uh, want you to realize also that since 2020. We saw over 30 states change voter policy to restrict the vote of the working class, of African Americans, of the of the poor, and that's done because of the impact of the vote. It's now illegal in some municipalities to offer someone at the poll a chair or a bottle of water. If you're not maybe strong enough, and maybe she's out there, like me. So I know maybe she's like me. People are telling people are telling us that we're not Americans. Maybe we'll that's just we think we'll come back uh, to you later. Brother Anthony, what you expect to get from your vote? Um, more, uh, more of the same, actually, uh, uh, continued, so, uh, support for Zionism, uh, let's see, uh, an intensification, uh, uh, more exploitation of African and indigenous people. And uh, other uh, uh, and other uh, uh, immigrants, uh, and uh, let's see, uh, a increased uh, an intensification of uh, exploitation of working class and poor people, and. Um, uh, let's see uh, an intensification of the class struggle going to intensify because the exploitation of workers and poor people are uh, are going to get worse, regardless of who uh, uh, gets in uh, gets into office. And uh, I expect uh, it'll be a member of the Democratic-Republican duopoly that'll get into office, most likely, uh, because of the political climate in the U.S. right now. And uh, let's see, I think the only, uh, only, only, a positive might be an int- uh, an intensification of organization among our people. Uh, but other than that, I expect more of the same. Thank you, Brother Evan. Brother Haki, what do you expect to get for, for, for your vote? What do you expect to get? <laughs> 
what I expect to get, Brother Africa? More of the same. Yeah. Uh, we respect the we respect the body. You know, I anticipate more military spending. I, I think is a priority. I can. He realizes that uh, <clears throat> when we talk about the decline of capitalism, he realized that the only hope for any longevity for capitalism lies in its ability in terms of conquering nations abroad. In that regard, military is very important in terms of that, in part of that equation. So I think we can anticipate more military spending. I think he's going to number of students who are eligible for a reduction of student debt. I think that's that's pretty much it's going to it's going to be uh, uh, waived. I don't think he's going to continue to to allow most of those students to you know to get out of you know paying the student debt. I mean, the economy is simply too strained. I mean, for him to do that. And keep in mind also when we talk about those students who are indebted from from university, are disproportionately African African students, and so therefore that's another incentive in terms of ensuring ending that program in terms of you know, uh, um, getting students out of, out, of, out of debt, even though uh, they spend all that money and there are no jobs available for them. Also, I think uh, he's going to resist corporate taxation. I think he's, he's uh, you know, he's been talking a little bit about terms of taxing corporations, but uh, somehow uh, his, 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 uh, his, uh, his, his, uh, his uh, desire to, to tax corporations is, is, is medial, medial at best. Uh, I don't think he has any real desire in terms of reducing corporate ta- I mean, uh, uh, you know, taxing corporations in, in more anymore. Uh, also, I think with respect to Trump, brother Africa, I, I think listen, I, I, you know, in my opening opening piece, you know, one of the things you know we talk about Project Twenty 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 Five. Uh, in a nutshell, Trump is very very clear. His his whole thing is is to revive, uh, is to enhance uh, fascism in society. And when we talk about fascism in society, we talk about you know attacks on progressives. This man hates any idea in terms of thinking outside the box. Anyone who thinks outside the box is perceived as a, as a liberal. Uh, he defines them as communists. <laughs> so, so he hates anybody who thinks outside the box. He thinks uh, exploitation of a fellow human being is just natural, and that's what he wants to see. And he's going to do all in his power to ensure that the level of, of exploitation society is going to jump leaps and bounds. So clearly, uh, we, you know, get ready. Uh, also, I think uh, you know he's going to unleash on corporate power. I think to the extent that corporation position is that they are they're somehow hampered in terms of you know achieving greater profits simply because of you know moral and or ethical uh, limitations. I think he's going to destroy those limitations. The corporation will be free to do pretty much what they want to do. So when it comes to cons- consumers' rights, those things will no longer exist. He's going to destroy all of that. Be not even an inkling in terms of consumer rights. Corporations will have all the power. And lastly, I, I think the militarization of the police is going to increase. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things in terms of carrying out his, in terms of the, the hopelessness that he's going to imbue, I think he realizes that the, the militarization of police is in key in terms of maintaining order. So I think he's going to authorize uh, both in money and tone uh, the brutalization of the population in terms of keeping them in line. So I think we can anticipate more police brutality, more police killing, those kind of things that adversely impact uh, poor communities and or the African community. And let me just add this real briefly about Africa. I think with respect to the labor market, I think one of the things uh, we can anticipate more discrimination. Uh, so, you know, whereas the society has been trying for the, over the last uh, 20 years, 25 years, to remedy this question in terms of discrimination in the labor place, I think Trump's going to make it okay to, to discriminate now, and there'll be no there'll be no policy that uh, frowns upon discrimination in the labor market. So I think Trump is going to uh, make that a priority in terms of, you know, one of the things he wants to achieve in the society. And I'll close with that. 
don't know, Brother Haki, some people said Trump going to be so-called band of America Hitler. You may wake up and see that we're in, we in the same conditions and treated exactly like the Palestinians are going through today. That's the reality. But let's um, take a few more questions on this particular question of voting and um, give our people something to vote about or to think about. And I raised it with political panelists and this in terms of our logic or the logic. Our logic was that if we participate in the system, if we participate in the Democratic Party and have more representatives, we're elected officials within this party, we have a greater say-so in terms of making decisions, making policies. There are more African people in the Democratic Party, elected officials, African elected officials in the Democratic Party today than we ever had before, 450 years ago. But yet we are still so powerless and have very little party, very little power within the Democratic Party, let alone just so much capitalist system. How do we reconcile that contradiction? We have more elected officials, officials inside the Democratic Party, but we are more powerless today than ever before. Brother Moses? You know, well, the situation is capitalism, and until we overthrow capitalism, the situation is going to continue to get worse. That's just the bottom line. The rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer until we overthrow the political economy of capitalism. So all these complaints are just rhetoric because I know we all know that. We all know the problem. The solution is the real issue. And so that's where we part. That's where the tie hits the road and we get our differences over the solution. Everybody knows the problem. Everybody's got complaints. You know, what else is new? The petty bourgeoisie is oppressed. We know they got complaints. But they can't lead nothing. They they just peanut gallery sidelines, accepting whatever the white man says. A step and fetch it mentality of he he said we ain't Americans, therefore we ain't Americans. We can't do nothing about it. Ain't no struggle. Ain't no ain't no demand. Ain't nothing. It's just we have to accept it and move go move to Africa. I mean it's just crazy. I'll leave it right there. Thank okay. you. Brother Moses, my response to you is saying what you're saying. I'm not clear in terms of why do you, why do people still vote then? Okay, let's move on. I give a chance to respond. Um, since I don't know, we have more people elected, more African officials inside the Democratic Party today. We have more politics inside the party. How do you explain that dynamic? We 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 see brainwashing and the confusion and class division is how we explain that phenomena. The 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 people are not educated properly to know what is going on and and and. and they're not trained to understand uh, the importance of a uh, class agenda or uh, uh, the importance of an agenda that the 1% should not be who's pulling the strings, that the rest of us matter. 
and uh, <clears throat> that's where organization comes about. And because, as the other analyst said, what we're looking forward to with either party is uh, increased uh, uh, police militarization, uh, just continued uh, aggression against the uh, masses. So the the you saw the brother from South Carolina um, uh, last uh, night or night before last introduced Donald Trump as the next president of the United States, and he's claiming he went from the cotton to the Congress, from the cotton fields to the Congress, leading people, and that's misleading information. He's not representing himself truly. And he does, as Brother Moses said, have that step and fetch mentality. That's why we need to look closely at who we put in these offices and whom we elect. We saw during the last election in Georgia where the Republican Party took a football player, relocated him from Dallas, with with all kinds of criminal charges against them, uh, whether they were uh, proven or not. He just had no character. But Trump believed that because of the way he looked and the way in that he was a football player, that uh, the people of Georgia would vote for him. And he very narrowly lost the election. It was his who developed enough humility before the election was uh, uh, before the election to say, look, I really don't have the experience. Uh, I really don't have the morals or the skills to do this. He let a little bit, a little bit out of the bag about himself. I can't think of a candidate right now out of Georgia. And the good reverend uh, was able to take that seat in the Congress while a Jewish man took the Senate seat. That was revolutionary for for, for Georgia. So um, I don't know uh, what to say other than the struggle goes on and we 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 can't give up. We're going to keep using this tool, but the big thing, as uh, the panelists, IT and Anthony, uh, say so often, is organization, organization, organization. And in some communities, there are, you know, the Green Party is active, and we want to, I would hope we can see some change in. more aggressive change in voting rights on a state level where we would have open primaries such as New Hampshire, meaning uh, you're not just given a Democratic ballot or Green Party ballot or Republican ballot. You're just allowed to vote for every candidate at the primary, and that's who ends up on the ballot. That would be a great thing to see to see some increase in voters' rights since there was such a decline. We hope to see a reversal 
in 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 the decline in voters' rights. What thirty states did can be undone by the newly elected candidates coming forward in states like Texas and uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and the likes. And uh, that's what I I would hope that we would see happen. And uh, and the other thing is that perhaps people begin to run for, uh, get involved in who runs for local office, such as school boards, council members, and that kind of thing. I, I uh, expect that we're going to see a whole new crop of young voters that are going to be participating uh, in this uh, upcoming 2024 election cycle. Thank you, Sister Lorraine. Can you explain, explain the dynamics? We are more elected African officials inside the Democratic Party today when we are, we are still the most, we have no power. Uh, that's a consequence uh, of us being disorganized. And uh, uh, one of the lessons that uh, uh, Kwame Ture uh, and Charles uh, and Brother Charles Hamilton taught in Black Power was that uh, we are, you have to be organized when you go up, uh, when, when you go uh, up, up, up into a coalition. And, uh, and uh, the Democratic Party is, uh, is a coalition the way it's made up as is the Republican Party. And, uh, and uh, we're, we, uh, we have, uh, the error we make is that we are not organized before we go up in there with these other groups. And that's why, even though we have uh, more representatives than in the uh, uh, than the other ethnic group, uh, we're more powerless uh, than the other ethnic group because we are disorganized, and uh, we have to set, we have to go in with our uh, uh, before we go up in uh, in any coalition, we have to have our own agenda set and what what we will compromise on, what we agree on, what our demands are. And uh, before we go up uh, into these coalitions and uh, our failure to do that is why we're powerless we're the, the most powerless of any ethnic group in the Democratic Party today. And uh, we have to get better organized and politically educated 
and uh, come to an, an understanding of what we will settle for, what we will compromise on, what we will uh, what we will not compromise on, and uh, and uh, we will have more power in the in the Democratic Party if we approach it that way. As a matter of fact, that's the only way we're gonna have any power is if we're are organized. That's key. Thank you, Brother Anthony, and your critique, Brother Haki, of the reality. We have more official African representatives inside the Democratic Party. But at the same time, we have no part at all when them say the party. Your response? Well, Brother Africa, let me let me address it from a different perspective. I think one of the things that when we, when we talk about, you know, a lot of these people who run for office, the perception is that they quote unquote American. That's fine to believe you're an American, but when that understanding of American excludes the African experience here in America. It becomes problematic. In other words, when a, when that black representative assumes office, or the perception is that they represent everybody, they don't have a unique responsibility for the oppression African people face. And so, in that regard, their policies reflect that reality. So, this notion in terms of being African is more important. I'm just so-called this question in terms of being American is more important than dealing with the oppression that African people face, because they derive a certain amount of status from being quote unquote an American. So I think that is the kind of issue which people don't want to talk about. But I think, in a nutshell, that sort of uh, sort of underlies the the class divide that exists in the society. Uh, unless you have African leadership who who fundamentally understand African oppression is real, exists. It's not imaginary. It's not it's not imaginary. Until we have leaders like with that mindset, then they don't understand the responsibility they have in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of resolving the situation that African people find themselves confronted with. And, of course, it would be nice if the masses of African people understood that had the consciousness where they could say, listen, we're only going to endorse people who, who, who have our best interests at heart who demonstrate that in terms of what they do. It would be great if, if that such thing exists. But we have to realize, Brother Africa, the question of socialization is real. The way we're conditioned to think, the way we should condition, condition to behave is reflection of socialization. So you ask the question, well, despite the fact that you've got all these African representatives, but despite that, we're, we're more powerless today than we were 20 years ago, and how do you account for that? Well, when people, when people get quiet on you and don't want to respond to the question, it underscores the reality in terms of some people are so willing, I find it very ironic, are so willing to, to define themselves as Americans as opposed to dealing with the question in terms of the pressure of African people simply because they want to identify so, so much uh, that they're, they're willing to, to sustain or to embrace as much oppression as possible in order to remain or uh, maintain the status in terms of being an American. So I think that's ironic and very, very sad. Uh, you know, but I think that, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, um, you know, the bottom line is, Brother Africa, until the masses of people become more conscious, conscientious in terms of the choices that we make, the bottom line is that we continue to, to, to vote for people who, on one hand, express their concern for the interests of the African community, but once in positions of power, turn their back on those on those interests, unless we are educated to understand that such people exist and the, psych- the psychology, psychology behind it, we'll continue to to uh, elect people like that 
who become positions of power who turn their back on the, on, on the needs of African people. So I don't think it's in a mystery, Brother Africa. I think it, it depends on, uh, you know, the, the political activity, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in the African community. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Hakeem. We're going to take a quick Brother Show culture break, and when we come back, we're going to close out this program on part three, why we are not discussing this, and we're talking about this question of voting matters and what is the power to vote. We'd like to have your final thoughts and suggestions on what must be done. Brother Africa, you're listening to Africa on the move.
and you have called all that civilization. And we who have suffered at this are now saying to you, you are the killers of the dreams. You are the savages. Yes, it is you who have always been uncivilized. Civilize yourself. you back to Africa on the move that was the clipping of an interview on CBS and I think of Mike Wiley's requirement to raise speak on sort of questions, social issues that historically um, has gone on in this country as it relates to the interests of African people. And closing on that topic today, I'll ask each one of our panel analysts to give us their final thoughts. And in those in those thoughts, address the issue of how do we move forward with or without the vote. So our brother Moses first. The mic is yours. Thank you, thank you, brother Africa. Thank you, thank you. Um, first of all, I just want to say I think nobody's changed their position. I, I slightly the position of when we started the show, and nothing's really changed. Um, I am I am an Afro-American. I I stand with Dallas and historical materialism, blood, sweat, and tears that made me Afro-American, and uh, and I stand I stand for my rights as a citizen of this country, and I I want all my rights. I want them here and I want them now. We're not willing to go to Africa looking for our rights, but we want them here and now. And uh, I um. I'm in for revolution, internal contradictions. I'm for revolution within the U.S. of A., and I'm working toward that goal. And uh, all the all the uh, thousand flowers bloom and a hundred schools of thought continue. And I'm in the Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong thought, and I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. So, John Moore, your final thoughts for the night. To vote, not to vote, and how to move forward. Well, the important thing um, that came up was that how important it is that we organize, how important it is that uh, we develop a, a democratic, republican alternative, uh, possibly another party. Uh, that we should not be reliant upon a, a two-party system and how through a lack of organization and education, how it's impacted us uh, politically in that, uh, as you said, Brother Africa, we have more uh, African elected officials than ever, but uh, we do not have a solid agenda. The Black Congressional Caucus does not have a solid agenda for African people moving forward, for the environment, for indigenous people. And um, we need to emulate the behavior of the people in Colombia, mobilize ourselves with the indigenous people, the with labor and work on common goals and educate our people as to our goals and letting our elected officials know before we, they're even nominated what their 
what our goals are and what's expected of them and if they are elected. Thank, Thank you, you so much for allowing me to participate in this evening's show, and I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And uh, Thank you, Sister. Thank you, Sister Law. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts? Uh, yes. Um, my final thought is uh, is that we 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 need to organize like never before because our enemies are well organized and operate on a worldwide scale and uh we have to uh organize uh to liberate our homeland Africa uh and uh recognize that uh that this land that we uh that we occupy because of uh enslavement and exploitation belongs to the indigenous people of the western hemisphere and uh we have to organize uh like never before uh, because only through organization can we defeat all of our enemies, which are imperialism in all of its manifestations, and 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 uh, capitalism and racism and Zionism, and uh, we must organize. And uh, join an organization that is working for our people's liberation, such as the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, our objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. You can find out more about our organization throughout visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Haki, your final thoughts? Well, <laughs> I think one of the things, you know, um, Brother Africa, I think that has to be, as I said earlier, there has to be a certain amount of clarity in terms of the struggle that, that we have to face in the society. I think, you know, espousing ignorance is never a solution in terms of the kind of clarity we need in terms of moving forward. I think one of the things when we talk about in terms, you know, you know, uh, ineffective representation, I think we have to fundamentally understand that, you know, in the context of a, a living in a, a very hostile environment, a system which is diametrically opposed to the interests of African people, under such a system, one of the things that are very clear, your freedom is not going to be given to you. To the extent that you work hard and you organize to create opportunities for yourself, it's only when we come to realize that we can we can be truly all we can be. But it has to be based upon our collective efforts. Uh, this notion in terms of you know uh, proud of being an African American, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. But anyway, uh, this this whole question in terms of being proud of being an African American is fine. I don't even know what an Afro is, but anyway, but that's fine. I mean, if you want to be an African American, that's fine. 
but it doesn't negate the historical, not only just the historical, but the current situation that African people find themselves in. So historically, when we look at the social economic indicators for the last 60 years of continuing to trend downward, there's something fundamentally wrong. As I always said, either there's something fundamentally wrong with us as a people or there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. And of course, course the answer is there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. The problem is that a lot of us have yet to realize that the problem is the system. And because the system is not going to bend, is not going to change to accommodate us, then we must do what we got to do in terms of ensuring the livelihood of our children to ensure they can be all they can be. But the only way we can do that is the organization and institutions to reinforce those things positive, which reinforce the importance of education, reinforce the importance of struggle, reinforces the, 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 the importance in terms of unity. Because you got to have it in this, in this racist society. You can fool yourself and think that, listen, I can be an individual and it's all good, but in the context of capitalist society, it's all about group dynamics. And if we don't un- fundamentally understand reality, then we keep on playing this game where I'm an individual and I do as I please, not understanding that what you do as you please does have ramifications or repercussions for the masses of people who happen to be African in the society. Uh, you know, certainly one of the things we talk about pan-Africanism, pan-Africanism played a tremendous role in terms of the salvation of, of African people. Uh, for the bottom line is that we're confronted with a situation where, you know, we've we got to make a choice. Either we're going to defend ourselves or we'd be willing to die. We have to, we have to decide for ourselves what we're going to, what we're going to do. Uh, Africa, in that regard, is very important in terms of our surviving society. Without a strong Africa to serve as a backbone, a support system, for Africans in America, then the bottom line is that we are in real, real trouble. Africa is key in terms of understanding the longevity of survival of African people here in the Western Hemisphere. Make no mistake about that. Uh, I espouse reality. I espouse science, not stupidity and what I think, because I've been told over many, many years that this is the only way I can think. I'm, I'm very analytical when it comes to thinking about the situation confronting African people. Having said that, Brother Africa, as always, I encourage people to unravel the matrix uh, because it's key in terms of understanding the society. If we don't understand fundamentally how the society is organized, how it operates, then how can reasonably forming ideas or strategies or ideologies, if you will, that's going to move us forward in terms of uh, ensuring longevity in a very hostile society. Brother Africa, you have a good night. You do the same, Brother Aki, and to all my panelists and analysts, we thank you all for your perspective on this very issue on part three, why they are not discussing this. We're talking about this question of does voting matter? What is the power of the vote? We hope that this exchange of information can be used as a tool to help better clarify our brothers and sisters on why we do the things we do and take a real critical look at this whole concept of voting. For me, voting is another means, a tool from the capitalist system of illusion. It gives people the illusion of inclusion. In reality, they are not. Many may say they may be African, they may be American, but America say you are not. That's the reality. Until next time, we will do what Frederick Jokic stated. We will continue to struggle so we have progress. And if we want freedom, it will never come through the vote. Because A. Philip Randolph taught us that freedom is never given. It is won. So until next time, we see you at 7 p.m. This is Brother Apple. This is Apple on Moon. Please spread the word and help us reach to preach our listenership to 100,000 people in the next three months. 
We need you to spread the word. If you need a link to this program, just email us at tropicalonthemove2 at gmail.com. And we'll send a link to any programs that you like to have. Until next time, like always, we will speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. While information is in our thanks, while organizations think clearly, we encourage you, all of you who are listening, join an organization that is fighting for the liberation of your people and humanity. Until next time, we can continue to go forward album and leave you with some revolutionary music. This has been Brother Africa, speaking on Africa on the Move. Passport Rev, Malcolm on Twitter, featuring Napoleon Dumb Legend. Let's rock the bell, radio! What if Martin had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it This integration been disintegrating Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation His last speech got him assassinated Black business was booming, who wasn't just a consumer Controlling our narrative, we have more marriages And see what the damage did, they ain't that bad a bitch And welfare did its way worse than the slavery I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they paying me Seemed like Nip had the same old story If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was the mystery Supremacy and go the extent to keep their history alive All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive Who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree and we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue in silence or forever be our own down All I wanna say is that we're giving it away Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake Argue with the silence, but don't let it steal our faith Right behind doors, but don't ever show our face Cause if Mom had Twitter, Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Cause if Mom had Twitter, and Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we been lied to, most of our freaking lives Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. I want to get high today. Who got five on my little bundle of temporary? Man, I want to live long enough to be legendary. Your statistics said by now that I'm going to be dead and buried. But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already. And I'm march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose. Two different tribes and we fighting the same person. Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us. Cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my country.
contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man lay dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away.
can't even really bring the gifts. I go through a lot. Many things. Reminiscing on the past. All the things that we did and said. Mama, I miss you. Mama, I miss you. Just know everything. Mama, I'm thinking about you. Mama, I miss you. Mama, I miss you. Just know everything. Mama, I'm thinking about you. Mama, I miss you.